You're listening to the Sleuth Podcast. Real private investigators here to help you find the truth when you need to know. Sharing sometimes shocking, sometimes heartwarming, and sometimes hilarious stories from the field. They keep it real. Interviews with experts bring you insights on how people leverage PIs in their lives and in their businesses. Licensed by the North Carolina Department of Public Safety. Here's your hosts, Jamie and Lindsay. Welcome to the Sleuth Podcast, beautiful people out there. I am Jamie. This is Lindsay. Happy Friday. Woo, TGIF. Yay. Okay, you can't stay quiet for long because I'm like a... Oh, I'm just waiting for a break. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm like, hell, we just started. You just, have to, you just have to interrupt us. Sometimes. Oh, okay. As long as I know the rules we're playing by, we'll be good. There are no, no rules. rules. There's no rules. Yeah. That's what I thought. Welcome to the Sleuth. No rules here. <laughs> so we have a new voice, y'all, and it's got an accent on it. It does. I've worked very hard at it as well. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Where do you think he's from? Who's going to say Australia? Go on, hands up. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Just Joe. So we have uh, Terry Vaughn here, and this guy is a... Former British Royal Marine Commando. Oh. So military way, way back. Back. I had a question. Back. back. Yeah, go ahead. This just came to me just now. This is going to happen periodically, just so you know. So. <laughs> With the Marines, um, <laughs> they say once a Marine, always a Marine. Is it the same? Oh, yeah. Overseas? Absolutely. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Do you have like yeah, a Yeah, that kind of brain damage never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's that indoctrination. You can't shake it. Even I after just, this time, it's funny because when I talk about it, it I rush back and, I, and I'm there and I'm reliving it. And then somebody nudges me and says, you know, dude, it's been like 30 <laughs> years. And I'm like, really? Has it? Well, Feels like just yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. It's a, I mean, that stuff, those experiences live with you a long time. Well, that's how it should be. If you yeah. forgot, there'd be a problem. Yeah, maybe. Or if you like blocked it out, maybe something <laughs> terrible happened, you know, but uh-huh. I'm glad you remember everything. <laughs> Tell us some more about you. I, actually, I'm a speaker by profession. I travel, I teach body language, and the course I actually started out teaching the most is dangerous individual recognition training, how to identify a threat through nonverbal signals, which has kind of been a passion project for mine because I taught combatives for a bunch of years after getting out of the military. So Muay Thai mm. kickboxing, edge weapons, tactical firearms, you know, a whole mix of stuff. But I always maintain an element of what I was teaching of, of an advice of stay away from it if you can. Yeah, right. because you're not going to put right. in this, the training necessary to be proficient to guarantee that you can actually fight your way out of something. It's that's that's rare. For most people, use your cunning, use your observation skills, be aware, look for certain things from the people and the environment that will tell you, okay, something's out of place and tune in that way. So you don't have to roll around in the muck fighting with someone because you didn't see it coming. <laughs> right, right, just staying out of that situation in Hold general on. if you can. can. Perfect. I just have a one moment. I love your love your voice. <laughs> Hold on. She's flushing. <laughs> Talk to me, Terry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Back to the show. <laughs> Jamie needed a breather. I know. Cool Sorry. off, girl. <laughs> so how was your week, Lindsay? I'm preparing for my daughter's birthday party, which is tomorrow. So Yay, um, I'm going. I got yay. invited. Yeah. It's my first, my first Lindsay party. I know. She, how old? Uh, she's going to be three. She turned three yesterday. Okay. Yeah, nice. party's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So big family event. This week I put together a playset and a geodesic dome. Mostly by myself. Wow, I was sore impressive. for a while. Yeah. I try to steer clear of putting together anything. <laughs> I'm never putting together a geodesic dome ever. Geodesic. Yes. What is that? Yeah. That's like the name for the that shape with all the triangles in it. That's a monkey bars. Oh. A jungle gym. Monkey bar, jungle gym, circle dome. It's cool. I saw the picture on Facebook. Yeah. That's what it is. Well, she called and she was like, I put everything in backwards. So now I'm like taking all the screws out and I'm trying to do it again. (laughs) We all know I don't read instructions. I just open it up and I'm like, oh, I know exactly how to do this. Done. (laughs) And that was my week. I built things, planning things as usual. How was your week, Jamie? Um, What happened this week? Just a lot of work. I don't know. Nothing fun, unfortunately. This is the way the schedule is going. So I get up, you know, I... Feed the cat, because that's important. Feed the kid, because that's important. And I come downstairs and do a little bit of work. And then, you know, I do the rest of Blackman, which is talking to y'all and talking to clients and figuring out what I can do between normal work hours. And then I take a little break, and then I'm back on at, like, 7 p.m. And like You're just, last like, night, hurting cats all day. I know. <laughs> that's okay. Today has been really wild. So what did happen today is we got a new case. We are looking for a okay. missing car. 
We have oh, a car that's, that's a been one. stolen. And so I got to look at some cool video this morning and we're going to catch this guy. Um, in this situation, we will get a chance to interview the guy who took it. We feel has some kind of connection with the reason why this car was stolen. So he didn't actually take the car, but he knows a little bit more. As he was walking back, he was very calm. If if a car had been stolen that I was responsible for, I would have been like booking it to the you know to the manager. <laughs> like they just jump over the car. They just jump over the car. It was none of that was happening. He was just like, all right. I'm about to clock out, and that was it. He's playing so. it too cool. So it's interesting when you have an interaction with somebody, and if you go into it saying to yourself, what do I expect to see? What do I not expect to see and what's missing? Right. You can clue into so much that just that stands out that you might otherwise miss. Right. So the fact that his demeanor didn't match what your expectations were in this particular case, probably a good red flag. Yeah. Nice catch. Yay. I'm doing good. Go, Jamie. And look, I had to go without Allison today. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So that was a little bit different. I mean, that's sad, but good for you for. You know, I'd had to jump on in there. You know, usually I have Allison as my cover. He's going in there. He does all the talking. And, you know, I just kind of sit there and smile and write notes, you know. Right. And now I was was in charge. So. Go, Jamie. That was exciting. Met some nice people today. So today's been busy, but exciting. So glad to be here in the podcast room where it's safe. Right. Fuzzy things on the wall that can lay my head. I know, right? <laughs> we finally get our padded room at the end of the week yeah. where we can just release. <laughs> uh, so, Terry, one of the things we do every week is we try to find something that's happened in the news recently that could be relatable to us and talk about it. And so this week, right up the road in Garner, North Carolina. I think it just happened two days ago. So it was a woman in Garner. Mm-hmm. She was an older lady, probably in her 60s. And it seems that she and her husband had a volatile relationship for the last 30 years and she killed him a couple days ago by beating him in the head with an aluminum baseball bat she's going to jail for the rest of her life this man is dead and I don't know we as we were seeing this article there wasn't much information on it because right Mm -hmm. it just happened I think this was like maybe two two or three days ago but we were thinking you know it's it's so wonderful we're having Terry come on the show today because at least he can tell us, you know, body languages of like relationships that we should be in and relationships that we shouldn't be in so that we don't have to end up being like this, this lady in Garner. How do I know that they're coming towards me? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Are they're they getting closer? That they might mean me harm. Right, yeah. Oh, she might say harm. I see the, the easiest thing to ask yourself at any given moment is if you have to ask yourself, is this a relationship I should be in? It probably isn't. Because if true. there's doubt, there is isn't any doubt right you, you're you know you're starting to try to find biased answers for yourself for why you're staying but at the end of the day if you're asking yourself if things have happened that are enough to get you thinking in terms of god i wonder if this is something i should hang out in for the long haul probably not right you, you know you shouldn't be asking yourself that question in the first place that's your first sign that was free. Well, I feel like well, that's the only relationship that I have. <laughs> I'm like, should I be doing this? Uh, so we'll just see how it goes. I found a quote on WRAL from the neighbor. And so this is what the oh. neighbor said. Sounds like they were in a fight. She hit him with a bat. A neighbor told the 911 dispatcher. She said he threw something at her and she was protecting herself. 911 dispatcher says, can you tell me where the bat is? She responds, it's probably in the house. She doesn't have it. She's hysterical. Yeah, after she... So she hit him once? Yeah, that's my question. It says that's multiple, what it sounds like. No, it oh, says no. multiple times. It says multiple times. She the was, neighbor only saw She was 67 once. and he was 58. So oh, wow. A little cougar there. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I, wonder how I long told they were you. Thir- like 30 years, 20-some years. Well, how many swings can you take before you start going, nah, you probably need to stop? <laughs> well, I think it depends on where you get angry. <laughs> the relatives describe the relationship as toxic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Toxic. I mean, I think the man had moved and went and stayed at his brother's for like a couple of weeks before. His relative said, allegedly, that Harriet Boykin stabbed Joey, that's the victim, Holy in shit. the abdomen before they were married. And <laughs> before the violence, they were married. Before they were married. Yeah, and then so they went through the, anyway. I know, yeah, the violence well, I know exactly stopped. where they live. They live right by the pool on this road. I know. Don't tell God. too much, girl. It always comes back to the <laughs> same dang family I'm always talking about, but um, her mom lives... Next door. <laughs> Literally. That's crazy. I that's who, uh, was he name? filed two domestic complaints against his wife in July of 2018. 
family yeah. member said, I always felt like something like this was going to happen. Isn't she's that been, what you always hear? Beating his ass you can kind years. of tell um, oh. from her mugshot that this has been a long time coming. <laughs> she's over it. She said, I'm sick of you. Yeah. She, uh. looks, she looks not sad. That's not but good. She looks did angry. He filed, he filed the restraining orders, right? I haven't gotten that far yet. So on February 1st, there was a 911 call where Harriet said her husband threatened to shoot her because she found evidence he was cheating on her. Uh-oh. Uh, the brother, uh, his brother said, it had good moments. They had more bad moments, I think, than good. Jeez. Aww. That's sad. That is well, sad. Well, they should have left each other a long time ago. Those flags right. were, had been going off. Well, that <laughs> ship has sailed. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and it's not coming back. I don't, no. I don't see anything about restraining <laughs> orders, but yeah, that's Dang. crazy. I hate to laugh at things like that, but I did. That's kind of that sick, morbid thing that we kind of have. It's, I yeah. think it's true crime life. Yeah, um, but a dark sense of humor that, that especially given you do it, especially given you guys and the job that you do, that's the only way to cope. Because if right. you don't, everything starts to just weigh yes. down. It's like being military or EMS or you find ways to cope. And the first way most of the time is cracking funnies at stuff that most people might find a bit Not funny. unsettling. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, that's pretty funny. You're like, All right. But that keeps the stress away or at least it helps keep it, yeah. you know, at bay. Because everything is depressing. Everything. And have you realized that like driving past places and, and reading articles, you're like this, you're like, oh, I worked a case on that road. Or hey, yeah. I know I know who lives next door to that. I feel like I'm I'm getting to that lot. point now. Oh, I love it. When I go over there, I'm like, oh, I served some papers over here. Right. I know exactly where I'm going. Right. And you're like out in the boonies <laughs> somewhere and you're yeah. like super comfortable with everything. Like, hey, I sat for seven hours on this road one day. I'm good. Well, you know, I was thinking it's really nice that we are both from this area. So that's one thing that really we yeah. really have that helps us, especially when doing PI work. I know we're working on a case and the guy's out in Kitty Hawk. And he used to be a, the sheriff of Kitty Hawks and was like 85 and he knows, you know, everybody's everybody and their mama. It's great to have that skill to right, be yeah. from the area and you kind of know what used to be where and all that jazz, especially since Raleigh is making so many changes and growing ridiculously. I have many, many questions that I need to ask you. Because I know. Let, let's talk excited. about you, Terry. I've yeah. been really looking forward to this literally all week. I really think that your program Dirt is really interesting. Just with some of the the work that we do and that we've done, you know, outside of this particular job, you know, her and bail bonding and me and security. And some of these things you, I feel like most people just learn from being there. You know, you, you learn to read people's body language and kind of predict what type of person they might be or what type of interactions you're about to have with them coming right up just from experience. How did you get into the body language part of this from the military? I took a course while I was in the military towards my end of the, my career time. I would, somebody came in one day and I'm like, there's some human behavior, body language course. Anyone want it? And everyone's like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I love that And stuff. I'm like, uh, yes. excuse me. I'd, I'd love some of that action. So I went and took this course. But I'd always been interested in human behavior and you know, body language and signals because my man beat my ass every other week, you know, growing up. Right. But it, it wasn't linked to anything. It wasn't necessarily alcohol related. It wasn't drug related. It was just volatility and essentially his dark side would come out. Now, if I wasn't paying attention, I might well miss the signal that something bad's coming down the pipe. So I was always attentive. But it wasn't until I took that course where I realized I have tuned in for, you know, that first very important part of my childhood and realized how attuned I am. Because I was answering questions. The guy's putting slides up. You see this, you see this. I was like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> People are like, what are you looking at? And I'm, I'm like, the same thing you are. Well, how are you not seeing that? Yeah. But it was training. So, you know, what, l- lemonade out of lemons? I'm like, this is fascinating to me. So right. after I got out of the military and I started teaching people how to fight, I always included an element of, you know, look for this and be aware of that and avoid it if you can and avoid it doing this. So there was Mm -hmm. always that component. And then over a period of years, as I got older and older and getting punched in the face really, you know, starts to wear on you. I'm like, maybe there's another way to go about spreading how to avoid it. And of course, for many years, people are like, oh, you're just paranoid. It's the military. You think there's trouble around every corner. And I really don't. I actually think there's not trouble around every corner and that being paranoid doesn't help. No. Paranoia is erratic. It's uncontrolled. It has, you know, spikes and uh, you know, valleys and it, it just wears on you. 
awareness should just be consistent. A nice, right. what I like to call a low-level simmer on the stove. Mm. You're always tuned in. You're just aware, but you never let it get to you. You don't, you don't have those, oh, I'm terrified right now. There'll be plenty of time if something happens to be yeah. scared. Don't be afraid your all the time. Life. Exactly. It's just too fatiguing. Say, I'm so, tired. <laughs> yes. You just get, and people, they won't keep it up. Like you have to right. find something, okay, where's the comfortable level of awareness for you? And it differs from person to person. But if you can just get people at a low level, just always scanning, always kind of looking around them, always just thinking, what if? Like Maybe. Us. Yes, it is. It really is. Because, I mean, your profession requires it. So mm -hmm. you probably, you know, more attuned than, than many. But one of the things that I enjoy teaching when I present dirt is that paranoia doesn't need to be part of it. Right. It just needs to be something where you just tune into your own inner voice as much as anything else. Now, of course, does it help to have a long list of actual signals to look for? Yes. Yeah. But you're still ultimately listening to the little voice. All you're doing now is learning those tangible signals that might indicate something bad's on its way and identifying it. Because one of the biggest problems with people is they'll see something that makes them feel a little weird or a little odd. But instead of actually going, okay, something's amiss here. They just keep going on. They and do whatever. They get into killed. the elevator with the weird guy. <laughs> and instead. then you're killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you didn't make There's it out of the elevator. Humor, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you didn't make it. Right. Uh -huh. So, but, okay, give. I'm sorry. Can you give us like a couple of like top signals? I think one of the first signals to always watch for particularly, and I, you know, I don't like to sort of separate genders, but for women particularly is distance. How, how close is too close for you? And everyone right. has to make that decision for themselves as to where that encroachment occurs. But I try to teach it. If, if anyone is closer to you that, and someone you don't know, you don't trust, than arm's distance, that's danger close. That's, that's You cannot respond typically fast enough to defend yourself. So if that person has closed the gap down to an arm's distance position, that's life-threatening and should be interpreted such. You either create more space or you get very territorial in right. your response. Or I whip out my stun gun and then my hey, arm perfect. distance is perfect. Uh -huh. Or you just move. But distance is definite. Yeah, and it's how you move. Yeah. Like you both have great confidence in yourself. You know, your eye contact is good, your position, your stance, all of these things were already very strong when we first met. Well, not everybody carries themselves like that. Right. Some people have a tendency, okay, he, he got a little close. And this is guys as well. I, I'll just back up a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. now some people get bloody minded and their ego gets in the way. Well, you, that's a whole different kettle of fish <laughs> right. and a whole different set of problems. But how do you respond? How do you stand in your space if somebody does, you know, encroach? encroach yeah. Yeah. But distance is definitely one of those things I, I try to remind everyone multiple times over the course of a, of a workshop that that's one of your primary things because distance, obviously the less of it you have, the less time you have to make a decision to respond, to put into effect your plan. It's, it's a big knock on effect. Okay. Oh, don't get too close. No, I agree with that. I think women though, their, their instincts are usually really good. Like their instincts are great, but if they don't have the tangible checklist of things to also be looking for, they often talk themselves out of it because there's an expectation that a the bad guy is going to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And the minute they don't fulfill that aesthetic, they go, oh, yeah, no, that's not him. That's not the guy. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, that the bad guy will only approach you in certain situations. Yes, absolutely. Right. Certain environments, certain situations. Yeah. And that's not true at all. It can happen anywhere at any time. Right. Right. But it's not all the time. And that's where you draw that distinction. Right. Yeah, it's just... It's, Keep yourself sensitive. It's a little bit kind of like how we talk about our back in the day detective work as opposed mm -hmm. to like the hiding in plain sight, right? So because we are hiding in plain sight, we're just observing and seeing things that are happening. It kind of gives us a different um, perspective than, you know, if you're in your car out, you know, and just video and you just have a different look at things. Right. Does that when I worked loss prevention, one of the things, you know, the main thing that I did was stand around hiding in plain sight in a grocery store. Right. And so I, I was me. I was just a regular girl with a shopping cart, you know, and when people don't see you, you can see them much clearer. And one of the things I remember one particular day and I went home and I just vented to my boyfriend, now my husband. And I was so angry because this man came in and I was watching him from the get go because he wasn't shopping. He was just in there and he only approached women and he only approached certain women. He was asking them for money. And then after he asked them for money, he would ask them for a ride. Oh. But he, he would pass up <laughs> two, two men. Uh -huh. Yeah, but he would pass up two men on one aisle mm -hmm. to get to the woman to ask her. 
And of course, he doesn't see me watching him the whole time. He'd go to the next aisle, same mm-hmm. thing, over and over and over until finally he left. And I was so angry. I was like, you know, what <laughs> What a freaking predator. You know, you come uh-huh. in here and you only ask the people that you think are the weakest link. Yep. He didn't ask me because I wasn't visible to him. I was staying away. But had I no, played that card. No, you putting off the wrong vibe. That's the thing that the people that perpetrate these types of approaches are very, they're very cunning and, and they are adept, even if it's only at an instinctive level at reading others, a confident, self-assured individual, male or female is much less likely to be approached across the board because Mm -hmm. there are so many more easy targets. So for you, he may have, he may have dismissed you for a couple of reasons. You're right. He could have just dismissed you because he didn't see you. He could have looked across really quickly and gone eye contact, firm stance. She's, you know, her blink rate isn't, isn't very high. She's, she looks assured. That made me blink when you said that. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what is a blink radar? Okay, so, you know, we have a normal man that our eyes literally, you know, blink, and it's linked a lot to cognition and or emotional mindset. So, you know, a normal blink rate for most individuals, 15 to 20, thereabouts, right? So, yeah, up and down a little bit. If we're under a lot of stress, we might see an increase, and the blink rate starts to become, you know, like, this is this is me not interrupting because okay. I don't want to, but I have got to say this. So I was I was watching one of our murder cases and we had video of the guy and he was in there doing a statement for the police and literally he was, I mean his eyes were, I mean what what do I even call that? They were blinking so hard that right, he, like was, cringing, he was like, like, uh-huh. like oh. And I was like, I was like, are you not looking at this man and seeing that he obviously looks uncomfortable? Like he's lying. I'm not even going to go there. I think he's our guy. It's not necessarily lying though. And that's where maybe some of the, you know, drawing the distinction. It is a a red flag Mm -hmm. of cognitive load. In other words, his brain is working harder, but not necessarily lying there. There's a misconception that they avoided eye contact must be lying. No, I'm talking to have conversations with people. I'm looking left, right and Chelsea as you sort of act access different files in your head you can be all over the place your blink your blink rate can increase because of cognitive load so if you're thinking about something extra hard or if what you're thinking about is causing you stress you may see an increase in blinking you may see a decrease he could have been telling the truth and it was stressing him out he was or, overwhelmed or he could have been lying, lying. and that was yes. stressing him out see context is everything mm-hmm. but i don't want people to go out of here and they go okay i saw rapid blinks <laughs> serial killer or lying you know <laughs> immediately i'm like no we have that little uh, blurb that joe puts in there that says you know <laughs> no, no, this is legal go, yeah, go and check with somebody else before you just run off and assume well, that all i'm the these person apply. people come to check with so i'd like to you know i need to put that on the record i'm like no so, so when you say can you be a witness, uh, expert witness testimony? Oh, I doubt it. I doubt anyone because I don't have the academics. I, my experience and what I teach, I taught myself. So I couldn't come in and say, hey, look, you know, I went to Duke and I got my communications and body language, whatever, from this school. That's not where I I hate how that it. works. Me too. Yeah. I've consulted for juries or jury selection and I've worked with attorneys to help them get better at Vaudeer and closing and open arguments because so many attorneys or they know the legalities and they know the law but their people skills yeah awful (laughs) they've got a a difficult job they have to possess all that information and then sell it to a judge perfect yeah But, but how do you do that you be a good person and you give good signals that tell that you're a good person and most of the time they don't and the trouble right. is with the jury in most cases, not all, of course, but in most cases, juries don't want to be there. So if you're yeah. not connecting with them on a human level first, it doesn't matter what, what your arguments saying? are. They're not going to, they don't like you. They're not going to believe you. Now, if they like you, it doesn't guarantee they're going to believe you, but it does increase the odds that they want to. That's right. You and need that's a little bit of doubt. Correct. And next thing you know, you're not guilty. Not guilty <laughs> or definitely guilty. Yeah. But, but you've, you've got to, you know, depending on the attorney, the case and their individual skills in front of a jury, it can sink a case just saying one wrong thing or perhaps more importantly, doing one wrong thing non-verbally because so much of that is communicated and picked up on instinctively. Wow. Or in a courtroom, you're set up to react in a certain way they want you to react so they ask you a question for you to react to or if you answer with a big long answer and it was a yes or no question oh you mean like if you're on stand mm-hmm. oh or if you're speaking in front of a judge ever or in a courtroom at all I mean, no, you, like, you only answer the question that was asked of you and that's it he's like, i had a hard time like, with yes, that yes 
I was feeding. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sweating. Pits are wet. And I'm like, you know, I'm just, it's just a speeding ticket. But like. My dad always told me that. He was like, only answer the question that was asked of you. And in the case that we always refer to, or I was called in like last minute, mm -hmm. he, the attorney was on my side. You know, we had been working for him and he was awesome, but I had never met him. And so he was very good in the beginning about asking me yes or no questions and making sure that I was acting the way he wanted me to for the judge to see what was necessary. But then at the end, he asked, is there anything else you'd like to say? And I was like, is this a trick question? Because yes, I have a lot to say, sir. And I think but it I came out okay. Yeah. Say but I'm not sure if no, is the answer to, no? I hate to kill the entire <laughs> there's, testimony. There's no, there isn't any other situation, I think, in, in any environment that's the same as a courtroom. Because right. you have this incredible formality. You have all of these rules, these regulations, the, the, the law itself, the gray areas. And then there's behavioral, contextual things that people are, you're expected to behave a certain way. Yeah. And deviations from that you know, can, can go for you or against you, depending on the context, the timing and everything. But people, when they get on the stand, most time they, their, their nerves, their adrenaline, when they're sitting in the, mm -hmm. up in the stand, we don't like silence. We do not like silence when we're nervous. No. We want to fill it with a noise, which is why, you know, witness prep and making sure, listen, just yes, just no, perhaps a pause, breathe. Don't give more than necessary is harder to do than you might think. That's right. why you have to go through the process of prepping people before they go up there. Can you talk to us about adrenaline? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like adrenaline is something that unless you experience, you only experience it in an uncomfortable situation or your job require you experience it all the time. Right. And so I feel like you've got two types of people, the people who don't have to learn how to handle adrenaline and the people who do. And, you know, when you when you work with police officers, you see them and they could be talking to you for the simplest little thing, asking you a simple question and their hands shaking while they're writing. But you have to understand what that's like. You cannot control it. You just learn how to control it. And so I just kind of wanted to ask somebody. You I know, try not to write anything. Wow. Because I'm shaky. Right. I, I went to you one guy and I was it was we were looking for a car and I was like, look, my my car is here. I need to get my unit off of it. And he's like, you know, we'll just write down the tag. I'm like, and I'm like, right. I'm like why are you nervous? What is wrong with my hand? <laughs> I was like, he probably, he probably thinks I'm just some phony, you know, uh -huh. person. He's like, can I see your license? I'm like, sure. And I'm like, shaking it out of my wallet. Here it is. But yeah, I totally understand what you yeah. mean about the adrenaline. But me personally, I know you didn't ask me. You asked the professional. So. You're a professional too. I mean, I, I just, I pray. And I asked the Lord to calm my mind and just allow me to do my job and to think clearly and to not let my nerves. And even just though I'm still, I'm still a little bit like, but I try to like wear loose arm clothes so that I can like, you know, the right color. So yeah, but look at the underlying process in, in doing that. I, I asked the Lord to come down and what have you just done? You've slowed down your breathing. You've right. taken big breaths. Ago. I asked the Lord to cut. You have taken exactly what you need to do to actually address the physiological response in part of what adrenaline does to our system. And the hand shaking are a byproduct of the adrenaline in the system. The fine motor skills start to deteriorate because the stress level's gone up. <laughs> your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that really makes you you, starts to go offline. It goes back to the primitive part of the brain that's 150 million years old. Oh my God. So you're now at a point where you can't think clearly. And if you've ever been in the situation, you know, for the layman, you been in a situation where you've had an argument with someone and it's been heated and you've only thought about all the things you would have loved to have said <laughs> after the fact perfect example of your brain going offline because your your brain is you know an amazing mechanism but it doesn't want you to overthink fear it doesn't want to right. you to overthink what you should be doing and when it feels stress it wants to extricate we we freeze first we want to flight second right. we fight last so your body wants your brain wants you to go so I don't need to do fine motor skill finger things. Right. So when you're trying to write an adrenaline is in your system, you get the handshake. That it is, it's a normal, natural response. Sometimes just knowing that that's normal and that it's okay is enough to bring you down another 10 right. beats. Well, I minute. didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I was like, when I got to write and I was like, oh my gosh, like my, I, uh -huh. I have never done this before. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm just shaky. <laughs> And I was like, whew, but now I'm ready. So next time I have to write in front of somebody, I'll be prepared. Or either I'll have it already breathe. written down. Do you do what you've been doing? Just breathe 
just slightly deeper. Okay. You want to, you want about three, four seconds going in, three, four seconds as you hold that oxygen, three, four seconds. And you can do it very subtly. The person doesn't need to see you <laughs> hyperventilating in the corner. You just, you know, find that happy medium where you sort of fill in your lungs and you hold and letting it out. And what often happens with police, they're trained, obviously, to some degree to have that command presence. Uh Well, what is that command presence? What is it about their behavior that makes us feel like they're in control and we're not? Even if their hands are shaking, what is it that they do? Can you answer that? To carry a gun. (laughs) Their stance. (laughs) That one. Well, yeah, their their body language, how they approach you. They're not going to be all shoulders in. They're going to be broad-shouldered and head up and speaking clear and probably nice, approach you first nice. yeah so that that's way. one big thing isn't it yeah because if With they're, the they're automatically come yep. in there then i'm like okay you obviously know what you're doing so i'm just gonna stand here it's funny because that's that's the normal list the reality is they don't move very much when we want to take charge of a situation hmm. stop moving your hands don't move your head very much Slow everything down a little bit. It's true. Cops Pace. are very still if you think Cadence. about it. Cadence. They get still. And they get still because stillness says calm and calm says control. When we get nervous, what do we want to do? Moving around and... Adrenaline's burning through the system. So you want to take charge of a situation. This is probably pertinent to both of you I going in to have to deal with people. Be still. Don't go asleep. Right. Be, just be still. Be observant. But slow everything down. Less hands. More eye contact. Yeah, I'm a big hand girl. I do a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, they're just looking at my fingernails. (laughs) So um, you wrote a book called Not With My Daughter, where you give uh, vital information on how to decode the gestures, facial expressions, and verbal statements of all prospective boyfriends. So you've got two daughters. Yep. How old are they? Two girls and a boy. I got an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 14-year-old son. Oh, so they're grown. This is great. I'm so excited. I have a 16-year-old, so I'm like, he's got a girl, i got a boy, I've got questions. All right. With your kids and daughters coming rapidly of age, uh, you realized that you could not waterboard every (laughs) new boyfriend. I love that. So you came up with a strategy that all dads can use. Is it could not or should not? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) Hey, whichever way you look at it, right? You have to decide whether he's going to report you after the fact. <laughs> he might not if you did it right. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Like, that morbid thing again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there is a checklist of items that accurately assess, assess the boyfriend within seconds. Or girlfriend. Does it matter if it's boy or girl? Because I need these things to relate to me because I'm taking this directly home. <laughs> My kid is dating. He is. And he's like met the girl and her parents and I don't want to meet her. But I was reading that that's not a good thing. Why do you not want to meet her? Because I don't want to accept the fact that my baby is moving on without me. And that's sad because that's my little pumpkin. And I want him to look at it. It's just the next chapter. I know. It's coming. And that's what I was reading last night. I was like, oh, I need to calm down. Like I'm making this worse than, you know, I need to. So I'm I'm going to work after after this today and you give me some good words. I'm going to go home and figure out how to be a part of my child's dating life. All opinions expressed on this podcast do not constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available in this podcast are for general informational purposes only. The views expressed by participants are in their individual capacities only, not those of Blackman Detective Services. Listeners of this podcast should contact their attorneys to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information expressed in this podcast is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Imagine my voice reading your company's advertisement on air for all the followers and subscribers of all the shows recorded at Podcast Carry. Your advertisement can be customized to say whatever you want said about you and your business. We would love for you to sponsor our show and support the sleuths and also advertise your services and messages at the same time. It's so funny because when I first started writing the book, I had one idea in mind as to what I was going to cover. And I was going to help all dads everywhere be as big an asshole as is necessary (laughs) to intimidate all the boys. Like that was my goal. And it was funny because during the writing, the process became very cathartic. And I realized that 
it isn't about that. It's about accepting that this eventuality is going to happen and positioning yourself in such a way as to be the expert for your kids right. in the topic of all things love and sex. Yeah. Now, when you say <laughs> sex to a parent on either side, the immediate gut response is, I'll be over here heaving, and I'm going to come back and hit you with the trash can I use. You know what I mean? Like They get very defensive. And yet at the same time, we're sort of beyond to a point the worry necessarily of of bad people in that way. If you've got a good relationship with your kids, they're right. unlikely to be bringing home the assholes. So right. what are you really doing here? You're making sure that your kids have not missed some of the signals that might indicate a problem personality because they just don't have the experience to identify it. You're acting as a safety buffer. Right. You're, you're there with your years of experience to look at the person in front of you who's you know dating your child, and you're able to go yes or no. But if it's no, it's no for a specific reason that you can explain, and this is the most important part, that your child will accept is based on something other than just, I don't want you dating. Right. So You've got to be brave enough to go there in support of them and say, you're making a good choice. I like this person. Right. So you this, certainly wouldn't want them to hide it. Nope. No. Well, see, I was a child that hid everything. And yeah, then I me was, too. I had to tell my mother that I had sex and was pregnant all at the same time. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. Okay. So I I knew, and I'm, I'm a young mom because I'm still very fresh, but <laughs> even though I have a 16-year-old, but I, I didn't want to be like that. I knew that that wasn't the right mindset or the right way to raise him especially with him being a boy I didn't want him to feel like he couldn't talk to me right and so this thing says something about it's important to talk to your teen about variety of topics like your personal values so you know big Jesus fan and so I was always concerned about him like coming home with this heathen right like I and I mean what does that mean now I you know whatever <laughs> I'm like I've been that person so many times are you the heathen that's <laughs> I'm so sorry I can help you screen people <laughs> well well so I was like you know maybe if I you know we just talk about these things but the girl that he brought home he, he didn't even get I don't even know where he got this little girl from but she goes to a Christian school and I'm like oh that's so lovely you know so I like her right now I don't know her yet I'm working on that I didn't meet her I mm -hmm. said hello I wasn't mean Right. Because usually I'm I'm like immediately I don't like you. I told I've told him like since he was little, I was like, I don't I don't like your girlfriend, whoever she is. I don't like her. It's going to take so, him. It's, it's such a weird time. thing to be telling you. Guys. I, know. I don't understand. I know. You know what I feel like I'm you should I'm do? I'm very weird. Here's, here's my whole thing with this, right? You, you as a parent have to put aside any of the, the, the natural biases and responses, the knee jerk reactions that you think you're going to have about dating and and. Position yourself as the person your child is comfortable coming to to ask any question. Right. If you achieve that objective, that's true bravery. I talk to most dads. Dads are like, I'll just be here cleaning my shotgun. And I'm like, I haven't ruled that Her out dad yet. dad was cleaning the shotgun hey, when he went and they, met her. And he most was like, dads are like, I'm just going to sit. I'm like, did... <laughs> When you met your, care. you know, girlfriend's Good. dad or their wife, their, you know, their, their, your wife's dad or whatever, if they were cleaning a shotgun, was that going to stop you doing anything? No. No. <laughs> exactly. So you're not getting anywhere. So instead, use your time with them constructively. Don't go into it with any bias one way or the other. Not saying to yourself, I'm just not going to like you. I'm really going to like you because I've heard X, Y, and Z. Go in with a clean slate. Go in neutral. Let what they say, how they say it, the way they deliver it, their body language, their posture, their facial expressions, their gestures, let that guide what you see. Now, if you have built trust with your kids and you have told them, I'm in it to protect you, that's all I'm interested in. If you are happy with this person and I don't see anything that right. indicates to me that they are a contrary person to who you think them to be, I support everything you're going to do. I hope right. you have a great time. You knock yourselves out. Suddenly... Your kid knows if you say no, it's not just because like most, you know, parents don't want you to, do, want it. You to do it. Right. No, you want to be the dad or the mother that sits there and says, love them. This is why. Right. Because all you've done is you validated their choices, right. which gives them more confidence, which means they're even less likely to bring home somebody next time that you don't like. Right. Because this will not be it. This is Correct. the first time. First time, right? Yeah. And I, I feel like I've done good. Look, I'm over here now and I'm like, don't have any girlfriends. I'm like, but I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> so 
I, you know, I was like, well, you know, I like her. I'm okay with y'all. I know you're talking and FaceTiming and all of these things. When I come in the room, it's pineapple and all these stupid words that they've come up with to say. I'm like, well, I'm still here, James. So even though I know that you screamed out pineapple, you're not going to continue to have the conversation that you were just having. Whatever. But one day he came home and he was like, um, oh, I need your advice. And I was like, thank God. You know, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm not as, you know, harsh as I thought I was, but I still need him to know that, like, I expect the best. So I don't know my craziness with the kid. I had a similar thing, like, when my daughter started dating, to along the lines of what you're talking about. In my mind, I had this mentality of the way I was going to go into it. And I thought a way of getting out of it for a long time was just saying, she's not going to date until she's 16. And so I had this age limit in my mind and I was just going to be hard and fast with it. And then it turns out like my wife was trying to help me understand, like that's a kind of a dumb rule that doesn't make any sense to anybody. And I was like, but it made a lot of sense in my brain. And, um, and then she explained it to me thoroughly and I'm like, you're right, I'm dumb. But so what did, has she, is she dating? She is now sooner than 16. And what I did is I had to, I had to be honest with her. I had to sit her down and say, you know what? I had a dumb rule and I had to just have a transparent moment with her. Because it's not that I don't trust you. I trust you. I just don't trust everybody else. And I don't know this person very much yet. But I knew him enough because he'd walked home from school for like two years. And I said, because it's this guy, then I'm okay with it early. Yeah. But I want to let you know, like, if the next guy is a jerk, it's not just because you're 16, you get to date him. Like, if I have a problem with the next guy, it's going to be based on the guy and not on your age. But I had to reset it because I made, like, a really dumb parenting decision that was causing everybody in the house stress. That's <laughs> so why I had to have the honest moment with everybody Dad and be like, okay, that was not great. Take step back, step back, step back, step back, step back, step back. I try to, try to salvage the situation a little bit. Listen, when we when we become parents, there there I'd say there's no books. There are millions of books. Yeah. Which ones you choose to read. And I think if you go into it saying to yourself at the very beginning, I just want to position myself to be the person my kid comes to when they have right. a problem, yeah. whether it's you or, or the other half, if you have another half, as long as it's one of you. Yeah. Right. Great. And so a I big part feel of that like has... I can answer any question. Yeah. Like for my my girls and my son says, Hey, actually at this point I go to the I go to my kids and say, you want to talk about so-and-so? And they're like looking at the ceiling, the floor. They're like, nope, not really. I'm good. <laughs> I, I do better with, with the boy, right? Because I don't know anything about boys except for the one that I had. And it was just me and my mom growing up. So it was like a whole new thing. And I'm like, I just don't understand these teenage boys. I just He doesn't want to talk to me. He, but since he's been dating this girl, he's come around. He's like my little pumpkin again. Now I'm Aww. excited, you know, and it's. It's not hostile. I think before he thought I was just going to be like, she hates you. And, you know, now it's it like. It might be because that's what you've been saying for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't ever want to. Where could he have possibly got that idea from? <laughs> know that you must nope. be with the best. I don't know. I, don't, I feel like you, you should know. invite her over for dinner. Oh, no. I'm Why? not ready for that. Nope. I'm not ready. <laughs> a little bit at a time. I know. He's like, damn. <laughs> she, you know, that would be no. the first thing I would do. Me too. Like, oh, I'm like, come on over. Somebody, come on over. Yep. But I feel like I'm with him. sit back and watch. But she's a girl. Mm-hmm. He's I a guy. Cameras. So it's a little different. I think it's a little different. I think I'm, maybe I just don't want to, <laughs> maybe I just don't want to address it, but yeah. I'm happier with him going, I guess. That's how I was. There was like, I just didn't want to address it yet. Like, yeah. I knew I would need to address it one day, and that was where the denial was coming from. Like, mm. I have more time. I have more time. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have more yeah. time. You don't have more time. <laughs> no. All right, so privacy, parenting values on your teen's maturity level, and the specific situations help you decide how much chaperoning that your child needs in terms of social media and, you know, phone locks and all of these things. How much privacy do you suggest that we wow, give our that's children tough because if you haven't had in-depth conversations before you decide to invade privacy, you're setting, I think you're setting yourself up for a really adversarial situation. So perhaps less about how much privacy you're going to give and more about how many conversations are you going to have leading up to the point where, you know, okay, you've got to start setting some boundaries or perhaps those boundaries are already in place, but they're kind of loose boundaries until you're given you know, a reason to not have them. Right. It's much, many of these things are much more to do with the conversations that you have leading up to something particularly bad or potentially bad happening. 
The more conversations mm -hmm. that you've had, the easier it is to talk about the uncomfortable stuff, the easier it is to say, hey, look, I'm worried that you might be spending too much time, you know, on one of these apps where the pictures instantly disappear after you've sent them. <laughs> That's not the first time that it's you need James. to address this type of concerning behavior, because when it comes to tech, I'm sorry, most parents are not going to be on the cutting edge, whatever their kids are into. You know, right. so it's how much time have you spent having conversations with them leading up to the point where you say, Hey, I think we need to change direction on what we're doing at the moment. And here's why, if you've had conversations up till that point, they're used to them. Right. They're used to the conversation. So now it's not you just putting your foot down saying, cause I mean, I don't know what you heard from your parents, but mine was because I said so. I'm like, well, that's not a rule. That's not a reason. Right. That's just you being too damn lazy to actually come up with a logical <laughs> explanation for what we'd, why we're doing this. Well, don't be that parent. Be the parent that says, well, this is why, and these are the reasons, and, and explain it, but do it on all the little stuff first so right. that you're sort of gradually taking those steps up to the point where you can talk about things like privacy. How much is, you know, enough? And what all kids need to find their own space, then they need to, you need to trust that they're going to do it in as, in as smart way as possible, but you'll feel a lot better about the decisions that they make on the conversations that you've had leading up to that point. So what if you're a parent who hasn't jumped into all that yet? What if you're late and like all of a sudden now you have to break into this? Then what? I, I don't think it's ever too late to start having conversations with your kids. Yes, it, you may have to work a little harder because if you come out of left field with, hey, I want to sit down and have the birds and the bees talk and you're looking across the table at a 17-year-old, good luck. Right. Yeah, it's right, going to get right. uncomfortable. That's when my dad had it with me. It was right before. <laughs> I got married super young. So we're out seeing a Bruce Lee movie, which we always did. So I was getting married at 18. <laughs> And my dad's like, hey, you know where everything goes, right? <laughs> that was his talk. That was it. I think we were playing an arcade game at the time. like, And it was comical because I'm like, dad, like, I'm really? literally getting married next week. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's a little late. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, you're smart. So that's good. That's good. Um, now, I just I just think you start those conversations with, with, in, with things that aren't emotionally necessarily impactful. They're not, it's not the tough conversation, and that's where you start. It's how is your day and not just accepting it's fine. Yeah. So, you know, you, you ask those questions. So you really think if you were have all these conversations with your child before these things were happening, but if they're still, I mean, to me, kids are going to hide things at some point, right? Passwords. You think that's important. I, I don't know. My, my kids had a phone since he was early, very young, like five or six. And that's only because I had drama with the baby daddy. Right. So he's always had a phone but i've always had the password like any social media account i've got the password for i don't think there's anything wrong with that that's just the parameters and yeah. every parent has to set that to the level or the to the degree that they're comfortable i think that's it's silly when they don't have any oh no 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 you kids feel safest when they have parameters when there are you know boundaries and stuff in place because that gives them sort of context for everything else that they do yeah. So the boundaries are necessary. I think knowing the kid's password for phones and stuff like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, good. And not being too crazy. Would it be a lot smarter for the parent that hasn't done much of this to initiate a conversation about something of lesser consequence than jump right oh, into absolutely. the thing you're concerned about? Instead of saying like, mm -hmm. hey, I noticed you've been whatever, something that's very concerning and start there, but to peel back and like, what are some easy ways to Take get into the conversation? Uh, anything that you feel like they're going to be comfortable talking about is probably a good place to start, you know, yeah. and it has to feel to them like it's not an invasive conversation. It's a, you know, maybe it's a little superficial to begin with, but if you haven't had many conversations up to this point, yeah. that's just a, it's just a starting point and you're mm -hmm. going to have to keep working, uh, you know, to, to make that connection. But yes, I think you're right. You work your way up. Yeah. Unless it's, you know, life-threateningly scary and you're like, I, I got to take care of this right now. Right. Well, now be prepared for a tough conversation where you give a lot of explanation and logic and reasoning behind why you're advising whatever yeah. it is you're doing. Then what? I'm like, just do what I say. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> Skip all that. This is serious. We ain't got time. Do what I say. <laughs> My wife is really good at that. Like she, now that the kids are older and they're starting to date, she talks a lot more about like when we started dating and the decisions we made and what we did that was smart and Aww. what we did that was not smart. And like, she'll have a kind we'll be driving in the car and she'll be like, you know what? Now's a good time to have a talk about right. sex. And the kids will be like, ah, like <laughs> their ears are melting. She's like, no, we're doing it. And, but it's not going to be, and what I think is so smart about that is it's not going to be crazy hard for them to come to us or to guess what our position is on things instead right, of having yeah. just a very clear, like, this is what we think. Like, this is why we did it this way. These are the successes. These are the mistakes. This is the. 
Well, I said, don't be like your mother and father, and because I'm not as nice as my mama was, and I'm not taking care of no baby. Oh, I'm terrified for my child to grow up. I was about to say, Lindsay, How you're so you quiet. Are? I'm so quiet. So you have one that's three? Just one. That's right, you got and plenty of time. three. Yeah, but we don't know what things will be like then. Well, you don't let them get, they just make it be this way. Look, if my child is anything like me or her father, we are totally screwed. <laughs> no. We were you're both looking so at the other rebellious. way around. You already know the tricks. You already know how the yeah. game is played. And you That's can, true. You, can yes. you already, you wrote the rule book. Right. Yeah. And it, but the thing is, is not then pushing what you think your kid is going to do on them because of stuff you did. Right. Because they, they have she no correlation. She might be she a might angel. Not. Who knows? Absolutely. <laughs> She's probably not. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But it could happen. Uh-huh. We don't know. She's like in the early. Look, no. Did you see the video that I shared to the Blackman Facebook page last night? Uh, I found this video last night about predators online, specifically with children, specifically with girls. And this um, group took a fake profile and they took a long time building it. And this woman was thirty-seven, and Ooh, she. I, think I saw that. Yeah, and so. They used some fancy software and made this 37-year-old look like she was 12. And they created, they took months and months to make a very believable social media profile. And they sat there and they were recording as they put this profile live on Instagram and Mm -hmm. Facebook. And within a minute, she got her first message, this fake 12-year-old girl from a man. And it happened over and over and over again for like the next three minutes. And you can watch it in the video and you see all the vulgar things and they show actual, mm-hmm. you know, photos of what was being sent to, you know, somebody that these guys think is real. And that's, that's the shit I'm scared of. But that's going to happen. I think that scares everybody. I right, still so, get like nudie boobs in my inbox every now and then i'm like who is this right like in my gmail I'm <laughs> wow like, who, who are you mm-hmm. <laughs> like why Probably are you nobody. sending me this there's definitely a know. sense i think for predators that they're safe they can do this from you know behind the computer and people are not savvy enough to be able to track them down mm-hmm. right and behead them did so i say us. that out loud was <laughs> <the inside laughs> voice? we can I'm track sorry. them down and yeah and you. Behead because <laughs> And that's another thing, you know, with your kids, ultimately, what's the worst case? Okay, they maybe they date someone you don't approve of. But what is it that you don't approve of? And, you know, it's a sliding scale of stuff where you're like, okay, well, he or she's a bit arrogant or a bit full of themselves. Well, okay, a little bit of narcissism is not likely to actually hurt anyone. And then we have true predatory behavior, okay? Being approached online, even if it's an imaginary online situation where a 12-year-old is getting messages from grown men or anybody else that man. Are you kidding me? that's that's the way you know as a society we have to decide okay the punishment for that is something other than a couple of years in prison i think we we have to decide as a society no that's bad enough i'm seeing firing squads who's with me right because that is just that's the that's the scariest thing i think for parents is to think about their child being targeted by somebody like that but that's a whole other sort of scale of problem Mm-hmm. And most of the children that are vulnerable to that already feel alone and they're seeking ways right. to connect. This wasn't even a real it. person. She didn't oh, feel anything. No, no, no. And that, they did it that, several times. And I guess my concern is that, you know, we we talk about how are you going to teach your children about sex, you know, like a real life situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do you teach your children about online shit like that? Well, the same stuff that Predators. we talk about. When how do you sit there and tell them, hey, watch this video? No. no, I mean, you, <laughs> that would be me. I'm like, look, I mean, we this have, could be you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little harsh. <laughs> She's Sorry. Like scared to go online. You don't want that. Stop and then she, I don't want her to be scared, but I also don't want. Bills. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, look, these things well, happen. This, <laughs> but these are the, also the conversations that you have. And, and one of the most, right. most inco- uncomfortable conversations I think you can have in terms of predatory behavior isn't the one where you said, listen, there are bad guys out there that might snatch you out of your garden at the first drop of that. That's not a scary one. That's one that they can immediately relate to in terms right. of okay bad guy good guys yeah right what about the one that grooms them for the next six months right and doesn't yeah. make a move okay right. well how do you have that conversation well i can tell you carefully gently and in small doses you're not trying to make your child completely paranoid but recognize behaviors that fall outside of the accepted norm like even what we were talking about to before we started the show the facebook thing like don't accept every friend Correct. request right. because you they want to be your friend i mean you need to know these people and yes. how do you know them how is do you know somebody them? that you want looking at your business or right. you know is this some random person that you might have seen somewhere but you're not quite sure who they are i mean every time we do a podcast we get random and not like not on the sleuth stuff, like on our personal stuff, 
I have so many like random requests that I feel like come out after certain episodes. Like really? Yes. Weird people and there and I don't have any mutual friends. I don't have like these people are just looking. You're I'm just looking. trying to look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, nope. Nope. Not gonna have it. Listen, you know what though? My profile picture is like my wedding photo of me and my husband. So that's probably why. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, like, oh, she's taken. <laughs> the conversations we had with that kid started very early and they started with after an interaction with a stranger, us asking the kids, how do you feel about what you just saw? How yeah. do you feel about what you what transpired? And an amazing thing happened with them. They started listening to their own inner voice. And sometimes they were way off base. You know, there were occasions when they'd say, that was the nicest person I ever met. And I'd roll my eyes in my head and be like, that was a serial killer. <laughs> if, you, if, if anyone's looking for a head, it's in that fridge. You know? like, I knew, I knew. But a lot of times it was really interesting because they were saying mm, they stood too close. No, no, no. Why did they? Why did they make more, make me want to high five them? Why did this? Why did that? You can't do better than teach your kids to trust their own instincts. Yeah, and it's part of an overall nuanced approach to personal safety that goes above and beyond. Watch out for the bad guy because the other thing we did, and I know you know this can this can be <laughs> sometimes is met with mixed reviews. We didn't say don't talk to strangers. Because your kids are more likely to learn from what you do, not what you tell right. them. And what do we as adults do every time we leave the house? Talk, Talk to strangers. strangers. Yep. So they see that behavior and they think that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. So while we were there with them and they were young enough for us to be right alongside, no chance anything bad was going to happen, we would say, if someone approaches you, why not say hi? Mm-hmm. And we would let them talk to strangers. Now, some people are like pulling their hair out about now. Why not? Would let them talk. You're right there. Nothing's going to happen. Teach them to trust themselves. Right. You're not always going to be there. And a a kid that goes, "Mm -mm, something's not right with this, they will flee that area probably 10 times faster than, you know, the, the adult in this equation can run. My my pumpkin is very on on top of things. Good. He's we did Taekwondo forever. So he was like a black belt and I've, you know, I've always been, I don't want to say test the waters with them, but I'm always like, I'm right there. So I always wanted him to get as much, you know, exposure. Yeah. And experience with like weird people. Right. So that Mm -hmm. he knows like now that he goes to high school, like I went to Catholic school I have a baby, you know, by 18. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I wish that I had a little bit more of that coming up because then I maybe wouldn't have been so grabby on to, you know, different things that really weren't concrete things that I should be holding on to. Be prepared to answer the question, why though? Because yeah. with kids, it's, you know, you have that se- that series of, but why? But why? You know, you need to be able to answer the question. That's my favorite question. question. Yes. She asked You're me like, why, and I'm like, oh. And I love telling oh, her. Oh, here we <laughs> go. Everybody says that. You're, they're like, you're going to get so tired of that. But no, I love it. Okay, so before, I'm sorry, because of course our time. We have two questions for you. Your thoughts on me and Lindsay. Yeah, so I listened to your episode on Joe's show on Guys Who Do Stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you did that for Joe and Josh, I was like listening intently. I was like, wow, that was very observant. Because in that instance, though, you met Joe and Josh at another event prior to the podcast, right? Just Josh. Just Josh. He okay. met me that morning. Yeah, that was the morning. And I had yeah. done what you did and overprepared. <laughs> <laughs> and so he kind of caught me out on it. So I was like trying to do all this stuff, like... it was so funny because with you it was just a tiny bit of timing issue that's all it really came down to and i was like ah somebody's prepped Uh (laughs) well my my strike with you is you're actually quite auditory a lot of what's been going on today you've been looking down while you process what's being said but you're not you don't hold eye contact to that that degree that whole studying thing a lot of it's going in through your ears and that's how i think you seem to be processing a lot of your information and of course you keep blushing which be- <laughs> like he's still talking <laughs> like, you, you process through here and you haven't heard a word i've said i'm listening though i'm looking at him <laughs> But the thing is with both of you, and I said this earlier, you're both very confident in your own abilities, which is a great thing. It really is. To have that sense of confidence and that energy, that means that, you know, you're much less likely to encounter any of the bad stuff that, you know, we know is pervasive out there. So you you keep that up. That's what you, you know, I want you, if anything, to take away from this because that type of confidence is rare 
Can't buy it. But it's good. It's good. Can't buy it. You can't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a loaded question when people say, what did you see on me? <laughs> and I'm like, do you really want to know? Yes. Like, so where do we find your stuff? Where do we find you? What are you doing upcoming? What do we need to know? So the best place to go if you're interested in having some sort of body language training, whether it's dirt or leadership or anything in the realm of emotional intelligence, which is, you know, the soft skills that, pe that people have actually have a really hard time with, mm -hmm. just go to tvempowers.com. TV. TV. Yeah, okay. Tango Victor. Okay, thank you. Because <laughs> I hate when I hear stuff on like yeah. a podcast and I'm like, what did they say? What did they, they say? say and then I get the thing wrong and then I'm like, well, I'll never find it. <laughs> it's, like, it's over. Yeah, yeah, let's make sure it's TV as TV. in Victor Empowers. TVEmpowers.com. Okay. That'd be fantastic. All right, cool. Anything else? Thank you for having me on. <laughs> yeah. This is so nice. Thank you, Terry. She wanted you here, but now that you're here, I'm like, I really love you. <laughs> um, of course you guys know that you can always follow the sleuth on instagram blackman detective services on facebook um ask the sleuth at gmail if you have any questions for us we have a fun little thing on there who's listening or what would you do so jump on what are we is it in facebook or instagram or both or both okay so jump on there's a nice little yellow thing with some question marks up there and what's the question what would you do if what do you remember what would you do if you were sitting at the bar and you look up and right across the bar from you was your best friend's husband with another woman? What would you do? Dun, 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 dun. Right? Because I can think of like three things I would do. I know. Well, please let us know and we will talk about it more next week. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Share with a friend and talk to you next time. Black Men Detective Services. Check out our website at blackmanpi.com and follow us on Facebook. We don't sleuth shame. Subscribe to The Sleuth on your favorite podcast app if you really want to know.